You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Jumpert. the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Instant Reaction Show. Ryan Schumper, Rick Butler. Before we get to anything Tennessee, Florida related, Ryan, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think Josh Heupel had any idea who was giving him a Gatorade bath after the victory? For those who have not seen the video, there's <laughs> Caleb Presley, uh, who works for Barstool, and then Theo Vaughn, who... One of the most famous stand-ups? I would say so. Yeah, comedians in the world. I'm not... Extremely that's, famous. Yeah, that's not my expertise, so I, you know, I don't want to... But yeah, extremely famous, uh, to your point. Running around the field with the Gatorade jug, trying to find Heifel <laughs> for like a good 30 seconds, and they find it, and they and, and they dump it on him, and Heifel kind of like keeps on walking, and it kind of turns around and points at him. And yeah. To that point, maybe Heifel knows who <laughs> Theo Vaughn is. Like, maybe. He definitely doesn't know who Caleb Presley is. No way. Which also is whole because Caleb Presley's got this long, ratty, kind of looking hair. But it was, I mean, it was a, a truly insane scene. And, and kind of to take it full circle to what I talked to, or I wrote about this week and when we talked about on the podcast on Wednesday of the eyes of the college football world were in Knoxville. Yes, And, and you have one of, one of the most famous, as we said, stand-up comic, uh, comedians uh, and then a very popular Barstool personality, I'm sure, has... Hundred thousands of followers on Twitter uh, on Tennessee's sideline giving uh, Tennessee's head coach a Gatorade bath as the Vols earned their second win uh, over Florida since 2004. Well, okay, so I was right here in the uh, what would this the South, southern uh, the southern zone. end zone, kind of more on the west side of the stadium. So on the Tennessee sideline, so right when the game ends, I sprint to the middle of the field. Uh, ben McKee was right next to me. Shout out to him in the city. We were both running on the field together, and then all of a sudden. I see just a wave of Gatorade come from the corner of my eye and it hits Heifel and I'm kind of trying to react and trying to videotape seeing what's going on. I didn't even know that it was the Barstool guys. I just saw Heifel point and I was like, ah, that was a powerful point right there. I wonder who it was to. But like, I couldn't even see myself. So to your point, that was just a, uh, that was a pretty funny little, little thing there at the end. But boy, was that a celebration there at the end. I mean, Tennessee's players were going absolutely wild, jumping into the student section uh, with the Tennessee students. Gerald Mincy had a cowboy hat. Who knows where he got it? Probably from Trey Smith's guy. And <laughs> he had the big V flag, right? So, like, you know, the, the four flags spell yeah. out balls. He had the V, and he was just waving it around. I said to myself, at least he didn't grab the L flag, right? That would have been bad. So it was a crazy, chaotic uh, celebration down there on the field, but... Ultimately, let's back it up here a couple minutes, Ryan. Ultimately, all that celebration is possible because of the 38-33 to victory over Florida that number 11 Tennessee has today. You know, Ryan, there's a lot to get into about this game. We're going to kind of break down our instant reactions here on the show. You know, as I sit here, what time is it right now? It's about 9.40 at night. We're sitting here right in the press box above Neyland Stadium. Here's my thought. Maybe a B-minus game, maybe a B game. There were good things 
There were bad things and there were ugly things, but at the end of the day, Tennessee did what it has not been able to do except for one time in the last 17 years, and that was get a victory over Florida. I mean, we stood there on the field after the game, and really, ultimately, that's all we needed to say. Hey, Tennessee beat Florida. Yes, there's a lot of things to get into, but ultimately, that is the most important thing. Yeah, and it's, you know, Tennessee, two, two touchdowns, I guess not two touchdowns, 10 point, double digit favorites, and better than Florida. But it just the, the sense of this rivalry, there is always the kind of waiting for another shoe to drop. And man, it looked like Tennessee had put the game away late, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But you're right, I think a sense of relief, a sense of certainly. Uh, a lot of excitement uh, when Kamal had an intercepted Anthony Richardson's pass on the final play uh, of the game to secure a win. And you're right, it's a massive win for Tennessee. It's a massive win for Josh Heupel. And I think when you look at the long-term effects of Tennessee's program, it's big. And when you look at the short-term effects of this season, we talked about it all offseason. Five games we thought were kind of toss-ups coming into the season. Tennessee's won their first two of them. South Carolina doesn't look as good as they might. Not that that game is a, a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And Alabama looks maybe a little bit more gettable than, than we thought before the season. So Tennessee, 4-0, right where they want to be. The early bye week really coming. Even Josh Heibel said it. it came, it's coming in at the right time for us. It is. Cedric Tillman, who didn't play today, will have a chance to get rested up. And then Hinton Hooker, who and I think we should talk about next, uh, who was a little banged up tonight as well. well. We'll get plenty of rest in the next two weeks before the ball's down, head down to Baton Rouge. Yeah, it, it really is kind of a, a good setup for Tennessee. Having this early bye week, could go back to Josh Eipel's first year last year, and it was a late, a very late bye week. Next year as well is going to be an early bye week as well. So like you said, obviously that's not something that Tennessee gets to pick, but luckily for them, it comes at a fortunate time. Ryan, before we get into the game, I kind of want to piggyback off of something you said right there. You look at this first half of the season, right, kind of with the LSU game, we'll throw in as well, and there you go. Uh, there's your first five games of the season. I think a lot of people maybe had the expectation that, hey, there might be two losses on the table here, but really if Tennessee can come out of this first five-game stretch with only one loss, you're set up in a really good position. Man, Tennessee has fought a lot of adversity this season. They fought their adversity on the road against Pittsburgh, fought their adversity maybe through psychological adversity, especially today against Florida. You're now able to come out of the first four weeks of the college football season 4-0. This setting up pretty good for the rest of the year. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have to happen and you know, a lot of dominoes that have to fall. But like you said, there's no place that Tennessee would rather be right now with four, uh, with four wins and two of those obviously being ranked wins and really gritty figure something out about yourself yeah, kind of that's wins. that's true. No, you're right. That, that's a great point. And, you know, I, I thought Tennessee – they were by no means ever close to being out of the game. But it, it, the vibe in the stadium in the second quarter, uh, I thought you kind of – it certainly was not a good quarter for the most part for Tennessee. And for them to go 99 yards, uh, you know, I think I was remiss not to mention that in our stand-up on the field. Tennessee goes 99 yards. They pick up a third and 10. You know, it, it seemed like they were almost content to, to run the clock out. Then Ramel Keaton makes a spectacular catch. Uh, Hinton Hooker, who at that point was very noticeably banged up, makes a big run down inside the 10-yard line, takes a big lick on that play. And then on a night where Hooker was was brilliant, I thought maybe his best throw or his best play of the game, he had Brew McCoy coming across the middle on third and goal uh, at the four-yard line. He pump faked to kind of buy time for him to get past the linebacker, and he put that ball right on the money, and Brew McCoy hauled it in for a touchdown. Uh, a phenomenal play on 
when what was a phenomenal night, uh, a great night, I think, is what how Josh Heifel described it. For yeah, I mean, I think tonight was the night, again, not that he needed a breakout game, not that he needed a game to establish himself in the SEC. We already know he was the SEC's most, you know, highest-rated quarterback at the end of last year. But I think today's game might have put him on that national map. You know, we, we were talking about after the game, uh, Robert Griffin III, who, who was broadcasting some game today and obviously a former college football Thank legend. Missouri Auburn game. There yeah. you go. Okay, so absolutely. So that SEC matchup, he tweeted out after Tennessee's game today, hey, Hendon Hooker, and he said something along these lines, but Hendon Hooker is fully in the Heisman conversation. I think that's a big thing. And really, you know, let's go ahead and just talk more about him. I think he was phenomenal tonight for Tennessee and really was Tennessee's offense in a lot of way. Coming into this game, we were a little bit unsure whether Cedric Tillman was going to play or not. We had the report from Pete Thamel earlier on Saturday morning that he was not, but then we got the confirmation just about 30 minutes, an hour before the game. We knew that Brew McCoy was going to have to step up. We knew that Jalen Hyatt was going to have to step up, and then likely uh, maybe a receiver or two as well. But throughout all of that, we also knew that Hinden Hooker was going to have to take advantage of this Florida defense, who was not a, a great run-stopping defense. We knew that Hinton Hooker was going to have to use his legs. He did that to the tune of 112 yards and one touchdown. And then he also really used his arm to the tune of 349 yards and two touchdowns. Only six incompletions with 28 attempts. This guy is efficient beyond belief. I think he was locked in today and really was in command when Tennessee needed him to be uh, needed him to be the most. You're right, and I think maybe in, in this offseason or early in the season, there's probably been some frustration from Tennessee fans of thinking that Hinton Hooker doesn't get the notoriety nationally that he deserves. But this is how you do it. Uh, sure. I mean, you know, as great as a year as Hooker had last year, there wasn't, you know, a signature game. You know, Tennessee lost that old Miss game, and, you know, he played solid in that game. But, and this is it. Uh, the eyes of college football were on Knoxville, prime time against a rival that Tennessee struggled against, and he was, he was phenomenal. I mean, there's just not enough good words to say about his performance. Uh, I'm sure he wasn't flawless, but he was pretty darn close. Six incompletions, 349 yards, two touchdowns. And, and you know, we, we talked about it on the podcast. I wrote about it in my three keys that yeah, I was both Cameron Rising at uh, Utah and then Gary Bohannon, I think is the, the quarterback's name, at USF that transferred in from Baylor. Both those guys ran for over 100 yards against this Florida, Florida defense. Felt like there was an opportunity there sure. for Tennessee to use Hooker. And he was great. And, and, you know, some of that was with designed runs, but a lot of it was on scrambles and plays where he, he found uh, open grass. And then one play early, I guess, on the first drive in the second half where he was swallowed. I mean, it looked like a Josh Dobbs play, a kind of a Houdini act. He gets out of there. I very. Fortunately, uh, you know, Princeton Fant was kind of right there to be a lead blocker as he, as he broke out of the pack, yeah. and it yeah. was a huge play. And, and he, was, he wasn't he was all of Tennessee's offense, but he was pretty darn close. And, and for a lot of the game, Tennessee's running back struggled to, to run the ball. And Jabari Small kind of came alive a little bit in the second half. But when, you know, everything, the dust settles from this game, at least here we are a couple hours after it, my lasting thought is what Hinton Hooker did how he cemented his Tennessee legacy tonight with a performance like this in a rivalry game. I mean, that's the stuff legends are made of. And as calm, cool, and collected as he could be during the game, as calm, cool, and collected as he could be in the post-game press conference as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just, man, that's his style. And it's a style that matches the head coach, right? Yeah. It's not a situation where, you know, you have a Hinden Hooker and a Lane Kiffin, right, who maybe a Lane Kiffin is going to be a little bit more – uh, loud or a little bit more bolsterous with the media or telling stories and staying like that and, and all this kind of stuff. 
both Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker have a business first mentality. And obviously we know that they have fun, you know, back inside the locker room when they're doing whatever. We'd also know that just the fun aspect of the game has been really important for Hendon Hooker this year. But at the same time, man, when it when it's business time, when it's time to lock in, when it's time to play a tough game, these guys are going to are going to do exactly that. They're going to lock in, they're gonna get down to business, and they're gonna do what needs to get done. Today, Hendon Hooker knew that Tennessee was going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage. Not only did they not have Cedric Tillman like we talked about, they also didn't have running back Dylan Sampson, who, look, is just a freshman, but at the same time, he has been that third back who's been getting carries for the Tennessee running back room. So uh, I think just knowing that, man, Tennessee was going to be a couple guys down, knowing that Hendon Hooker was going to have to step up, find those receivers down the field, but then also be able to bring something with his legs. I, I think he was phenomenal in what he was, uh, what he was able to do. Uh, and then again, just to kind of wrap up things on the offense, I look at Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt as guys who stepped up when they needed to, especially Brew McCoy. Five, five receptions, seven targets, 102 yards, uh, 56 yards at the catch, and a touchdown. He had that long of 70. Obviously, that was a you know, a, a massive piece of that 100. But still, I thought he was able to provide good separation. I thought he was able to look good. I, I don't think that Brew McCoy is anywhere near his peak, right? Whatever it, whatever yeah. it winds up being this season. But I do think that all of these early season games, being able to kind of be the spotlight of week four, I think that these are all going to, hopefully for Tennessee, crash together by the end of the season and be able to produce a very, very talented wide receiver in the SEC. Again, not that he doesn't have talent, but I think that all this experience is now finally starting to come together, or at least I hope that's what continues to happen over the next couple games. Yeah, you're right, and we you know, talked about it with Tillman doesn't go. Where does Tennessee turn, and it was a, a bigger workload for Brew McCoy, and, yep. and he, he truly lived up to it, and he was he was phenomenal tonight, and, and I think we'd be remiss without mentioning Ramel Keaton, and you know, I was really off the mark when I, you know, I figured... The targets, how Tennessee would replace the targets, more for McCoy, more for Jalen Hyatt. How would they replace the reps, the snaps? For Cedric Tillman, I thought it would be a collection of guys that would play it up. And it really wasn't. I mean, it was yeah. Ramel Keaton uh, for the, the vast majority of it. Tennessee and, had four players receive a pass tonight. Yeah, and uh, he was he was really he was really good. He made a lot of big plays. And, uh, obviously, the, the long catch uh, before the half that we mentioned was probably the biggest one. But I, I thought he had a really nice night. And for a guy that's had just a quiet career and a veteran in this room uh, to, to step up and have the poise uh, to make, make big plays. And one last thing yeah, I'll add about, about Hooker and kind of that demeanor that we, we were talking about. Sure. Tennessee forces the fumble. Amari Thomas forces the Anthony Richardson fumble. Jeremy Banks uh, hops on it. Tennessee takes over about their own 15-yard line, 12 minutes left in the game. Obviously, it did not turn out to be this way, but it felt like Tennessee can go – all, they're going to go win the game if they go, go score a touchdown here. If Tennessee, they need this is the time they need to step on the pedal, go up three scores in the fourth quarter, it'll be over. Now, obviously, it, that didn't end up proving to be right because Florida came back, and we'll right. get get to that in, in a little bit. But watching, you know, there was the big huddle, and, and Hood, Hinden Hooker was not in, in the big huddle during the timeout, or at least not all of it, and he was throwing the ball to, I'm not sure who it was, I, I think maybe a walk-on receiver. And he was just sitting there, and he was just – jamming out to what the band was playing and he was air drums and dancing and but not in a very relaxed not in an over-the-top way but in a very relaxed very calm very collected it just kind of felt like he was made for that moment or maybe not made for that moment that's probably over dramatic but he was ready for that moment you know, when it came and he went out and led Tennessee down the field 
for what at that point was their fourth straight touchdown drive and in a night where Tennessee's offense was really just fantastic. Yeah, you know, one thing I do want to uh, quickly add just to kind of uh, wrap up my final thoughts on the offense. Like we said at the beginning of the show, it was not a perfect night for Tennessee's offense. Uh, just to mention a couple of places where I feel like I saw them struggle a little bit, things to get cleaned up for later weeks down the road and things that they can hopefully clean up during the bye week. Man, in a game like this, especially a game where you, where you can really figure out that Tennessee is better than the opponent, there were a lot of times where Tennessee shot themselves in the own foot. Right? There were a lot of times where maybe Tennessee was driving the ball down the field. Tennessee had two fumbles tonight, which is something that cannot happen cont- uh, continuing to go into SEC play. One of those was Hinton Hooker, who, you know, the pocket just got collapsed, it, it, it right? Was, that was not on him. It was, I mean, it was fourth down, so it didn't matter. Did sure. He, I mean, he got, it was going to be a sack or whatever, it ended up being a you know, strip sack. So, sure. The, the turnover there, you know, the fumble didn't, didn't matter. No, yeah. it was a turnover on downs. You didn't execute. That mattered. But the, the fumble itself, yeah, you know, it was not a big deal. And to that point, like, I think that just kind of goes to my bigger point. Hey, there's going to be times coming up this season where Tennessee has a worse team on the ropes to some extent, right? A lot, there were times in the second half where that, uh, that lead for Tennessee grew to about 10, 11, or 12, whatever it was kind of in that range. I, I really want to see Tennessee throughout the year be able to step on the gas and be able to put those teams away because we can see that Tennessee is one of the top teams in college football. There's not going to be a a ton too many more teams that are going to be outright better than them. So in those other games, how is Tennessee going to be able to continue to keep that momentum? Again, I really felt like there were a handful of times throughout the game where Tennessee had the opportunity to really extend the lead, to lengthen the lead, something along those lines but a self-made error kind of stepped in the way of that. Now, we know we know that sometimes that the MO of Tennessee just as is, but again, I think that's something that can be cleaned up going down the road. Uh, to your point, Hinton Hooker, the, the fumble right there on, on fourth down on the right side of the field was not on him, but we have seen fumbles, uh, a little yeah, bit of butt, right. butterfingers throughout the season so far. So that's certainly something I, I think they want to clean up for, for the future. But uh, again, that's kind of my only... My only takeaway as far as a struggle, as far as a challenge, just something that can be cleaned up down the road. Tennessee, a couple of opportunities where they just didn't quite make it to the finish line when that could have really helped them put uh, put the team away. Yeah, and, and you know, you're right. The Tennessee, they weren't perfect offensively, and you just highlighted all of them, but they were pretty darn good. Pretty and, darn good. And nine, nine drives tonight, I thought Florida's game plan, which was, you know, was very clearly to – be aggressive and to shorten the game. Don't give Tennessee as many possessions. I mean, they did that. Tennessee just had nine drives. In those nine drives, six of them were scoring drives. Five of them a minute in the end zone. The Princeton fan, uh, which was probably the biggest mistake when you talk about when he fumbles down in the red zone. It was really, really good. And I've talked about in podcasts in the past and maybe in some articles in the offseason where, you know, in the close games, now this was the fifth close game of the no, the sixth close game of the Josh Heifel tenure and in the first five when Tennessee lost the offense had opportunities to win or to force overtime late in the game and they didn't okay. and the two games that they won going back to the Kentucky game last year and then the pit game earlier this year obviously in the Kentucky game the defense got a huge stop and then the pit game this year defense played phenomenal in the second half tonight it was Josh Heupel's group that won the game for Tennessee. And yeah. It was Tennessee's offense that went out there and they took it. They said, we will outscore Florida. Florida cannot keep up with us. And that's exactly what happened. And it was not a good night for Tennessee's defense. But they found a way to get enough stops. And at the end of the day, Florida's offense did not have the firepower that Tennessee's offense did. And Tennessee's offense capitalized on that. And they, there were a few missed opportunities, but not many. And 
there were hardly any times that Florida just flat out stopped them. Uh, when Tennessee didn't score, it was almost always – there weren't many times it didn't score, but you know, it was almost always a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, um, I, I really felt like coming into this game it, it was going to be, hey, Tennessee's offense can score 30, and, and I did not necessarily think that Florida's was going to be able to. Now, I will say Florida's offense impressed me more than, more than I, I had originally assumed coming in. Uh, but if it wasn't for that touchdown with 17 seconds left in the game – that's kind of how it played out. You know, Florida was struggling to get up to that 30. Tennessee was able to get up over that 30 mark uh, with just about five, excuse me, with just about eight minutes remaining in the game. So that's where they were able to hold that and find the win. But you just mentioned defense. What are kind of your big takeaways from the from the defensive side of the football for Tennessee today? Yeah, I'll start with the positive. And Tennessee's run defense is really good. I mean, Florida just runs for 141 yards on 42 carries. And there really weren't a whole lot of sacks. That, you know, a lot of times in college where sacks count as rushing yards and not passing yards, those numbers in games can get a little distorted. That wasn't the case. If Florida just couldn't really line up and run the ball at Tennessee. And if you would have told me that, you know, I would have said it probably wasn't going to be that competitive of a game because I didn't think Anthony Richardson was going to make enough plays through the air. And he did. I mean, he he wasn't perfect. He completed just 24 of 44 passes. 50, I guess that's 55%. Um, which isn't the best, but he made plays down the field. And, yeah. and, that, and that was probably the biggest standout. Tennessee's secondary was not good tonight. And they all just way, way, way too many chunk plays. And I think some of that goes to pass rush wasn't as good. But at the same time, I think Florida, you know, and Hypo talked about it post-game, there was a lot of max protection from Florida. It wasn't like... It was a lot of Florida having five guys in there to or to block four, and then you know Tennessee couldn't get home. It was Florida was sending three guys out on routes and blocking everybody else. And yeah, you would like to see Tennessee's pass rush get home more, but the secondary, the way they got gashed on some of those plays when only three guys are running routes, that that can't happen. And Tennessee's going to face a lot better passing games this season than what they saw today. Certainly, an area to get cleaned up and a uh, few injuries. Obviously, Warren Burrell probably being the highlight there, but. Yep. Uh, that group needs to be better going forward. Yeah, and the secondary did struggle at times tonight. It, it was evident. They both struggled in the past, and then obviously when when Anthony Richardson was able to use his legs for a couple of those big chunk plays, yeah, you know, and even going back to my point a second ago where there were just maybe a couple of times, a handful of times throughout the game, uh, you know, where Tennessee maybe had a missed opportunity or at least had the momentum and then gave it back to Florida a little bit. You know, I said that while we were talking about the offense, but I, I think that goes true on both. There were a couple times where, again, Tennessee's defense stepped out onto the field. I really felt like a, a stop, a, a you know, not letting not letting Florida get to the other side of the field. Something along those lines would have been massive for Tennessee. Getting the ball back to the offense at times, uh, you know, those, those weren't able to happen. The secondary struggled. But at the end of the day, I, I kind of think, and I don't know, maybe I don't feel this way tomorrow as well, but I, I kind of think that it did. Tennessee's defense, we know that they're not necessarily world beaters or anything, but I think they're very good at this right here. You know, they're like rubber, right? Rubber can bend, it can twist, it can turn, it can do all of this kind of stuff, but typically it's pretty hard to rip. It's pretty hard to break. It's pretty hard to tear. Now, you know, we've seen plenty of times where Tennessee's defense has broken at times, but we've also seen a lot of times where they bend, but they don't break, kind of getting up there near the red zone. That was an early theme to this game, I thought, where Tennessee's defense was able to stop Florida from getting some early critical points that would have been very valuable by kind of doing that bend but don't break mentality. Yeah, I, mean, I think one of the biggest plays of the game was Amari Thomas forcing that fumble uh, on Anthony Richards down in the red zone because it felt like we were in 
it was like we were in a video game where neither <laughs> team could get a stop. It was yeah. just about who could, and I mean, not even just a stop, not give up a touchdown. And when Tennessee was up 10, they were obviously favorable in that situation, but there was just so much pressure on the offense every time they got the ball because it felt like if they didn't score and they gave it back to Florida, Florida was going to be winning next time they got the ball back. And for Amari Thomas to, to punch that ball out in, as much talk as we had all week about that, you know, if Tennessee loses, a lot of it will be because of what Anthony Richardson does on the ground. I thought Tennessee contained Anthony Richardson well for the most part, and that was the that was the biggest play. And you're right, it was not a great performance by the defense, but they found a way to, to make a couple Florida trips deep into Tennessee territory uh, not unfruitful. They found a way. Yes, they did. Tennessee defeats Florida by a score of 38-33. to We've talked a little bit about offense, a little bit about defense. Ryan, any kind of wrap-up thoughts from today's Top 25 matchup? Yeah, I mean, I guess we just need to talk about the end of the game a little bit because... Oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's very right. I almost, I almost glossed over it considering we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, of the, uh, the beginning of the podcast today. We talked about the celebration, but walk me through a little bit about the last couple minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was, again, Tennessee's defense was just was so soft on everything in coverage, and they ran so much zone, which surprised me uh, late in, in the game uh, when Florida was kind of driving to get trying to get touchdowns uh, to get back the game back to a one-score game and just too soft I, I thought it didn't they were clearly trying not to give up the big home run play but too many easy 25 30 yard games uh, on those last drives and some of them were Florida easily got out of balance too when they were out of timeouts so uh, that was ugly and then obviously the onside kick, I you know need to go back and, and find another view of it because man, from you know from our, my vantage point, yeah, I, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, I was in this you know southwest bottom corner. Yeah, the onside kick was on the complete other opposite side of the field. What was that? Was it a situation where Tennessee's guys just missed it? Was it a good bounce? What, what was it from your angle? Well, as I said, Rick, I need to go, I need to go back and watch another another angle uh, angle of it. But yeah, it, 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 Tennessee did not touch it. Uh, from from what I could tell, watching it live, I mean, it, it took a really big hop. Maybe Princeton Fant kind of tried to backtrack uh, and go get it, and okay. then the Florida guy just went up and, and, and grabbed and grabbed the ball. Uh, so yeah, and Heupel said it. Hans team needs to be better, and it was funny because the first time I kicked Florida tried, like it couldn't have been any easier for Tennessee recovered. You know, Bruce <laughs> yeah. McCoy was right in the right spot, made the play, and then you know. It's one of those things where it looks really good if it works, and it looks really bad if it doesn't. But Tennessee probably a lot of pressure on both of the last two plays from scrimmage and kind of left, you know, I don't want to say they, they left uh, their defense backs out to dry because they got they got home on the last play of the game. But they put the pressure on them, and uh, I liked it, to be honest, especially on the last play of the game. Uh, I thought, and that's what Josh Heupel said post game. we didn't want Andrew Richardson just to be able to sit back there and collect himself, and then throw a jump yeah, ball. And, yeah, they brought pressure, and Florida got away with a very clear hold on Tyler Barron and still Tennessee. Uh, hit Richardson as he threw, and, and then Tennessee had two guys, I think, that probably would have gotten the interception. Kamal Haddon ends up coming down with it, runs it straight to his family in the tunnel. I thought yeah. that was kind of a cool moment that for uh, the transfer from uh, Auburn, I think, by way of junior college. So, uh, man, Tennessee, Tennessee doesn't want, didn't want to make it look easy against Florida. <laughs> they couldn't have made it a, a simple win. No, but uh, it was it was a win nonetheless. And then the defense, when they didn't make the plays, the two drives before when they could have put the game away, even including I believe one or two fourth downs, which Tennessee's fourth down defense was terrible tonight when Billy Napier was really really aggressive. Uh, but they made the last play, they made the winning play at the end. And I guess the last thing I'd have to say, sure, Tennessee's fortunate Billy Napier decided to go for two. Woo! Yeah, and fortunate that 
they Billy stopped Gabriel it. Had a uh, had a hot head. Yeah. At one point no, you're right. And yeah, but you mentioned a hot head when that play was ended up getting reviewed and stood. And instead of it being third and goal at the one yard line, it was first and goal at the half yard line. Yeah. And Tennessee got about half of a yard on on that next play. <laughs> Who knows if it's the same game, same call, all of that. Yeah. Uh, if not, but it was it was certainly. Uh, really big, uh, uh, really big play there, and two really big stops in the two point plays, and some kind of. I do think the analytics like slightly said that Florida should have gone for it, but that's kind of a classic example where you play a little much too too much in the analytics and it hurts you. And if not, man, Florida, I think would have gotten themselves a kick at the end to tie the game. Who knows if they would have made it or not? But they were they were in range. You know, here's the last thing that I want to talk about tonight. Do you think there's a bunch of naked people running around Knoxville right now? Because, if you listen closely, on Saturday morning's college game day show, Tony Vitello, Tennessee baseball coach, he said this. He said, luckily I did not get a ticket on the way to the game today. You know, I was speeding, I was going a little bit fast. Luckily we didn't do there. However, if we win tonight, then maybe we all go streaking. So, do you think there's a bunch of naked people running around Knoxville right now? Just... Nude people all over the place? It's 10.04, so I'm saying probably not right now. Give it about two or three hours, and you'll have some naked people. I think there will be streaking Yeah, just because he said Just because, probably. I mean... It, like, somebody in the city will get arrested tonight completely naked, and they will say, My baseball coach told me to! It's true, yeah. And, and, and I saw... Uh, speaking of, you know, Ben McKee, you mentioned earlier, he got a really cool video of some celebration post game, and Tony was uh, celebrating with Mike Eckler, and I think another assistant coach too, and you know, that's just a kind of a cool thing, to, cool thing to see. Yeah. And I'd never thought about it before because they're it's such in different realms. But Mike Eckler and Tony Vitello have a lot of similar similarities. I feel like they could uh, they could go to one of these great local bars, one of these yeah. great local establishments, and, and really tear the place down and, and have yes. some good stories for everybody along the way. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And there's there's a lot of similarities between those guys. And yeah, if they ever uh, they ever quit coaching ball, I think they could uh, host a pretty pretty darn good podcast. You know, speaking of Knoxville, Tennessee, Ryan, this is obviously where you live. This is where I live. This is our city, right? And again, just kind of to to reiterate one point that I started the podcast with. It really was cool to have the whole college football world, in fact, in a lot of ways, to have the sporting world have their eyes on Knoxville, Tennessee this week, and I think it was great for the people. I hope the people of Knoxville had a great time. I hope if you traveled into Knoxville, you had safe travels and you had a great time as well, but it just it's really cool to see the city come together, and we've seen this city come together a lot in the past, but... They're not always unified at 10 p.m. after the game, right? Yeah. Today they are, and today you could just sense it between college game day, the other shows going on, everything throughout the game, and then I'd imagine we could walk down to downtown right now and it would be just absolutely packed. Just, again, a big shout-out to the city of Knoxville. I love being able – I'm from Texas, so, like, I love being able to show my Texas friends city, you know, pictures and videos of Knoxville and all this cool kind of stuff and being like, hey, you guys are missing out – this is one of the greatest cities in America. So, uh, again, I, I love that just that the city gets new life breathed into it during stuff like this. Yeah, it does. And it's there aren't many days more you know electrifying than, than a big football Saturday in Knoxville. Yep. And uh, Tennessee hasn't won a lot of games on big football Saturdays yep. in Knoxville. And for them to get a win and to get a win against a, a Florida program that's 
for such, I mean, even before the last, you know, 17 years where it's been terrible, it, you know, even going back to the time Steve Spurrier's been there, it's been a lot of frustration for Duvall as playing the Gators. And some, some great moments tucked away in there as well, and certainly one that tonight that, that will be remembered very fondly for a long time for a lot of Duvall fans. You know, on top of all of that, too, Ryan, you and I almost saw a fight tonight. Oh now, we're going to keep those details to ourselves, but, uh, but just a wild, chaotic night, a lot of fun along the way. Hey, that's going to wrap it up for us as we shut it down. Number 11, Tennessee defeats number 20, Florida, by a score of 38-33 to right here inside Neyland Stadium. As always, make sure you're going to check out RockyTopInsider.com for all of your Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. And then also be sure to follow Rocky Top Insider on all the different social media platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. As always, if you want to go follow Ryan Shumper and the great work that he does on Twitter, you can go and follow him at rshump00. And then if you want to go ahead and follow me, I post a lot of pictures and videos from these games to Twitter. You can go and follow me at Rick underscore Butler as well. But otherwise, again, just make sure you're following Rocky Top Insider. That's where you'll see us both. That's where we will have all of our stuff. But again, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Hey, thanks for listening. We will see you back uh, sometime soon. I don't exactly know what our schedule is going to look like with the bye week coming yeah. up, but sometime soon, of course. Uh, as always, thanks for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Insta Reaction Show. Go ahead and tell a friend. Tennessee defeats Florida 38-33. to